Hi, I'm April Wright, the director of Back to the Drive-In, and I'm up next on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now... Here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. And welcome to you, and you've stumbled upon On Screen and Beyond, the podcast that uh, keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week on episode 621 of On Screen and Beyond, uh, I'm your host, Brian Zemrak, and we have as our guest the director of a documentary film, and it's called Back to the Drive-In. Now, the drive-ins have been around, seems like, since the 50s and 60s or whatever. And uh, maybe before that even. I, I don't know. But uh, the, the, this film is a like a homage to it. But it, it talks about how they need your help and everything like that. And we have the uh, director of the film, April Wright, joining us in a few minutes right here on Screen and Beyond. Now, this film is going to be coming out on March 14th on digital and on demand. And we'll be talking about that with April coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. And I hope you've had a great week. And we've got some uh, guests coming to uh, On Screen and Beyond that we're working on. So we're going to be getting those coming your way in the next couple of weeks. And we'll keep them rolling for you. If you have a suggestion for a guest, you can email it to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. Love hearing from you and I love just hearing your, your emails that people are sending out. And also, if you are on um, Anchor, you can uh, turn around and uh, I think it's it shows up uh, in other places too when you, you pop in. But you can send me a message, a voice message. You can actually talk to me and send it to me and it'll get to us. And uh, we'll, uh, you know, that, that's kind of neat too. I've got a few of those. So uh, thank you for those. And be sure for you to tell a friend about On Screen and Beyond. Get the word out and uh, just let more and more people know about On Screen and Beyond. So uh, we appreciate that. And uh, we get more and more people listening and download. Keep downloading the episodes. I'll, uh, you know, just tell a friend to go and look at all the people we've had over the years. I am almost done uh, putting in all the back episodes back on our uh, website, uh, onscreenandbeyond.com. I have, I think, season 15. I still have more to put in. I've completed 16 uh, and 14 back, but 15, I still have a few more to go. And there's a couple of those I have to tweak and things like that. But mostly it's done, so you can check them all there. Or just go to your favorite podcast provider, and you'll see all the episodes right there for you to download. And what do you say? Let's get right into it. It's time for Remake Madness on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. Well, the 80s classic Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is getting a remake. We mentioned that before. But now we've got a little more information. This time it's going to have Kevin Hart and Will Smith in leads for that one. And a remake of 1993's Cliffhanger, which originally starred Sylvester Stallone, is now listed as in pre-production. Okay, so we've talked about that one before also, but uh, they seem to be, you know, I don't know, not, not moving along too much about it. Uh, rumors are that uh, Jason Momoa will be the uh, star of it, but uh, you know, we, we don't know. <laughs> it's sort of in limbo right now. Anyways, that's it for Remake Madness. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies? <laughs> Up 
Upcoming new movies, Warner Brothers and New Line will be working together on more The Lord of the Rings movies. All right. And Ryan Reynolds will produce and star in a new comedy for Paramount Plus called Boy Band. He is also the co-writer of the film. And Kelly Rowland, well, she will star in a new Tyler Perry Netflix movie called Mia Copa. That's it for upcoming new movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond, let's find out what's coming your way as far as sequels. Sequel City, well, it looks like on May 24th, 2024, is the release date of Garfield, and it'll feature the voice work of Chris Pratt. And Dune Part 2 now has a release date of November 3rd of this year. Okay, it's been bumped back, so we'll see what happens with that. And Paul Mescal will star in Gladiator 2, and he says filming will start this summer, but there's no exact date that was given. And that's it for Sequel City. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, let's find out what's coming our way as far as movies and TV on DVD. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Movies and TV on DVD. Well, A Man Called Otto with Tom Hanks arrives on Blu-ray and DVD on March 14th. On March 7th, you can get the Steelbook 4K Blu-ray and DVD release of Harrison Ford in uh, Air Force One. It'll be coming our way. Duck Dodgers, the complete series, arrives on Blu-ray on March 28th. And the classic 12 Angry Men with Henry Fonda will be landing on 4K Ultra HD on March 28th. And another classic that's coming your way again, it's the Maltese Falcon with Humphrey Bogart as it hits 4K Ultra, Blu-ray, and DVD on April 4th. And Cheers, the complete series, comes to Blu-ray on April 25th. Okay, so they're starting to re-release TV shows, movies on a higher resolution, uh, you know, Blu-ray or a 4K, whatever. And uh, they're going to be... You know, even though there are outs on DVD like uh, Cheers, uh, the full season, now you can get it on uh, the Blu-ray. So that's it for movies and TV on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, it's TV and Entertainment Time. TV and Entertainment Time, Arnold Schwarzenegger will star in a new action comedy series called FUBAR on Netflix, and it will debut on May 25th. And it looks like Eric Stone Street of Modern Family fame will join the cast of The Santa Clauses, which returns on November 16th. And Secession will end with Season 4 on HBO. And that's it for TV and Entertainment Time. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, we're going to be sitting down with April Wright, who is the director of the documentary film Back to the Drive-In, which comes our way on digital and on demand on March 14th. Right here, coming up next, April Wright on On Screen and Beyond.
Joining us today on On Screen and Beyond is the director of a new documentary film coming our way on March 14th on digital and on demand called Back to the Drive-In. It's April Wright. April, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. I'm excited to be on the show. Now, April 1st, I got to congratulate you on your film. It, uh, I watched it and it, it's, 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 well, it brings out a lot of emotions, really. I mean, it's, it's a good film, uh, but, you know, it's sad because we're losing drive-ins, uh, but it was good because they were coming back for a while. And, and it, it, the, the whole thing, it just brought up all kinds of feelings. Yeah, I know, right? It's an emotional roller coaster because they're they're underdogs and you're rooting for them and there's a lot of problems and you want them to be successful. So, yeah, it's true. A lot of people have said, you know, I drive-ins, it's all fun and that they weren't expecting it to be such an emotional ride. So, mm. yeah, thanks for saying that. It it is emotional, I think. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> it, you, you you wouldn't think that, you know. <laughs> you know, it's not it's yeah. not like it's a, a a a drama or something like that and people are yeah. you know whatever. Uh it, but it's it really is. It's it's uh Yeah, you get involved with these owners and they're so passionate about what they're doing and why they're doing it that you really get invested in in wanting them to succeed and and what they're going through for sure. Mm. And what made you decide to make this film? Well, I had my very first documentary was about drive-in movie theaters and it came out um, exactly 10 years ago. It was called Going Attractions, The Definitive Story of the American Drive-In Movie. And so having made that, I visited a lot of drive-ins. I got to know a lot of the owners um, during and since, and I just wanted to revisit the topic. Um, I'd already done the history, but I realized almost all of them that were left are family-owned, and so I wanted to go behind the scenes and show how hard these families um, are working and how much passion they have about you know, keeping their drive-ins going. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just wanted to pull back the curtain a little bit and spend some time and show that side of it. Yeah. Do you know when I, I was trying to f- figure this out and I didn't look it up on, you know, I'm sure it's on the internet somewhere, but uh, when was the first drive-in made or do you know, have an idea? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I sure do. And actually this year is the 90th anniversary of the drive-in. The very first one opened in Camden, New Jersey on June 6th, 1933. Wow. So it's 90 years this year. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking it was maybe the fifties, the you know, or something like that, but. Well, yeah, you might think that because um, when it was first invented, not a lot of people had cars, uh, but enough did that there were around a hundred drive-ins around the country when you went into world war ii but they really took off um, after world war ii because of the baby boom and all the suburban expansion and the idea of the two-car families and all this stuff about being mobile in your car really happened after the war so that was like the 40s and the 50s and that really was the heyday Mm -hmm. because it went from like a hundred to a thousand to five thousand in a pretty short period of time, and then drive-ins were everywhere. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, when I, I was a kid, I can remember uh, there were theaters, uh, drive-in theaters, you know, everywhere. I mean, you just you know, in mm-hmm. fact, where I lived, there was one basically in you know, you walk through the woods, and there it was. <laughs> just... Yeah, yeah, they were everywhere, and it's hard to imagine that when when I was making my my first documentary a decade ago, we still had blockbuster video stores 
And I remember looking at the numbers and saying, wow, you know, you used to have a blockbuster on every corner, right? Mm -hmm. Well, you still didn't have as many blockbusters as you did drive-ins at the peak. Blockbuster never had over 5,000 locations. So that kind of puts in context. And of course, now it's funny that blockbuster hasn't survived, but the drive-in has. Um, So it is kind of funny. But yeah, I mean, if you can imagine if every Blockbuster, when Blockbuster was at their peak, if that was all drive-ins, you still wouldn't have as many as there were at the peak. So they were everywhere. Most towns had more than one. Mm -hmm. How many are still left, do you know? Um, I I have a ballpark. So going into the pandemic, there were about 305. Um, we know a lot have changed hands and closed the last couple of years. There's been a lot of activity. So I know we're actually under 300. I just don't know how much um, wow. until until everybody opens for the summer season. Mm-hmm. So right now, a lot are dormant for the summer and we'll see how many come back. Uh, but we think it'll be in the 290s somewhere, yeah. somewhere in the 290 something. <laughs> that, that's sad, really. I mean, you know, because kids don't realize, or even their parents, some of their parents, I mean, nowadays, you know, don't yeah. realize what it's like, you know, because I mean, that's what we always did. You know, you went to the drive-in when I was a teenager, yeah. we'd go, you know, and when I was a young, young kid, you'd go in the playground yeah. and you'd sit down in the car, you know. And anybody born in the forties through the eighties, like that is just part of everybody's childhood for generations. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you're right, we have had kids now that didn't get a chance to go to the drive-ins, although with the pandemic, there were enough, you know, pop-up drive-ins and, you know, things like that, that some finally did get a chance to go or they, you know, looked for them during the pandemic since they were the only thing open. So I think a lot more people experienced them for the first time during the pandemic, and that's a positive thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it was so sad to see that at the, well, I don't want to spoil your film, <laughs> you know, but, but I mean, you know, the, some of these places are closing. I mean, that's just the way it is. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. it, it was so sad because I mean, some of these were really nice drive-in theaters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, I think that's part of what I wanted to show that even though they, they had a really big bump in visibility during the pandemic, everybody was talking about drive-ins. A lot of people did go back to them. Um, and that was wonderful, but there were also a lot of struggles, um, that they were dealing with. And that's what we show in the film, that there's a lot of obstacles in the business right now. Um, you know, including many things, including the fact that the studios have been releasing less movies to theaters the last couple of years. And so, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a challenge and, I wanted to show that, but I also wanted to show their, you know, resilience and determination to, to keep them going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it also, I mean, not just drive-ins, but even theaters, the, when I say theaters, I mean, independent theaters, uh, you know, not the big chain ones. Uh, well, even those are dropping out too, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> uh, the independent theaters are doing a lot of the things that the drive-ins are doing to try to keep open. Uh, it's just, yeah. it's just a fight. <laughs> Yeah, we're in a huge transition, and um, and I've seen more. I've been talking to a couple of the drive-in owners about this. That there have been, you know, despite that attraction that happened in that, you know, resurgence or whatever you want to call it during the pandemic, there still have been a number of drive-ins that have closed the last couple of years, mm-hmm. um, and so 
but there's also been some that have new owners. Um, so they're not all closing and some have been closed for decades are being brought back to life. So we're definitely in transition where, where is it going to land? Nobody knows, but I think we're optimistic that drive-ins will have a chance because they are an experience and they're a unique experience and every drive-in is unique. Mm -hmm. Um, they're all, they all show a movie, but they're all slightly different. Yeah. And it, it is about more than just the movie. It is a whole experience. It creates a memory. You know, you have fond memories of going to the drive-in, and that still happens today. Um, when you go to the drive-in today, it creates a great memory. So um, I think because of those factors that the drive-in definitely has a chance of sticking around, even though the business has been hit pretty hard <laughs> the last few years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And one thing I was surprised in the film is, some of the drive-ins, I mean, like I say, where I was, where I lived, it was, they were always out in the woods, <laughs> you know, away from everything. <laughs> but a, a lot of these, and I, I think it was the ones that were in Texas or maybe, I'm not, I'm not sure, but the skyscrapers yeah, were right there. I mean, yeah. you know, they're, yeah, they're encroaching on them. <laughs> I know. Right. That's part of what I wanted to show. I tried to pick for, for this film because at first I, I thought maybe the pandemic had hit them differently so i tried to pick different like a cross-section of different types of drive-ins so i picked you know really old ones that have been around for decades i picked a brand new one that had only been open for about three weeks before i got there i picked one with you know some with one screen some with seven screens some that are very rural and that one the coyote in fort worth is right adjacent to downtown fort worth okay and um So, yeah. So I tried to show different things, but interestingly, it turned out none of those things made a difference that every, you know, after I went to the first few drive-ins, they were all telling me the same story. They were all facing the same struggles. They all had the same passion. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was just like, you know, this is the story that, you know, they're really more alike. They're all in this fight together. And, um, and so that's what I tried to show in the film that, they're, they're different. They have different circumstances and yet they're so much alike in terms of what they're trying to do for their communities. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, you think about it, you know, as, as the consumer who goes to the drive-in or, you know, when we did or whatever, uh, you would, you didn't think about these things, but the, the rain, that was one thing that <laughs> stops things. The, the, the guy in, in um, Cape Cod with the fog coming in, it's like, yeah, it's like, geez, you can't, you can't win. <laughs> <laughs> or the August, he calls it. You're not allowed to say the, the F word. Yes. <laughs> F-O-G is not allowed. Yeah. It makes it too bright and you can't see the picture on the screen. So mm-hmm. yeah, all these you would never think about um, are happening. And just the fact that they get there in the afternoon to do a bunch of prep and setup. you know, we show up at dusk for the show, right. but they've been there for hours getting ready for us. And they're there until, you know, whatever time in the morning, 2 or 3 Mm -hmm. a.m. So, yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. And that's part of what I wanted to show in the film. Yeah. And and I was surprised that there were still some that actually had the, you know, the speakers. Yeah. Because most places had advanced to, you know, having doing it over the radio and and short, short radio uh, signals and everything. Yeah, and I wanted to show that. That that was actually also at the Wellfleet in Cape Cod, and it does still come over the radio, 
but they have the option to use the speakers. And a bunch of them around the country have that option, or in some cases, they've kept a couple rows. They don't have it everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly, everybody switched to the radio sound when it came in um, in the 80s, if you can believe it. Yeah. <laughs> that technology switched um, way back then. Wow. And then they have, of course, the digital you know, all the drive-ins, um, except a couple have the digital projection projection. They all yes. switched over to that. And even when I was on the road, um, to shoot this movie, several of them had already upgraded to laser projection that a lot of the indoor theaters are just now doing. So hmm. people think drive-ins are, you know, behind on technology. And in some cases they're actually ahead of the curve. Yeah. Well, it's, I, I know, I know some people who own theaters and, uh, you know, regular theaters, not drive-in theaters, but uh, the the studios basically have forced them to change to digital, which is, you know, what, $70,000 or something for one of those things. And then, uh, you know, I know drive-ins have to too. And and I don't know, is is, is the laser going to be a thing that they force them into or is that just the, the way the projection is done? Yeah, that's a great question, and and you're right. They the there were incentives, and studios said they were no longer going to create film prints. So there was a big push to digital, and that was a little bit of a scary time for drive-ins. Um, when I made my first documentary, that was going on, and everybody feared a bunch of drive-ins would not be able to afford the switch. But eventually, they were, and almost every drive-in did convert to digital. It, it turned out to not be a huge drive-in killer. Yeah, <laughs> but. Um, the laser, I think a lot of the drive-ins like it just because they can get on screen a little bit earlier. Um, it gives such a bright image that they don't necessarily have to wait until it's dark, dark. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and even digital was a good improvement on that. Digital shows much better because drive-ins are very large screens. Um, they're, you know, most drive-in screens are bigger than a typical IMAX screen. And they also have a really big throw um, for that the projector has to do. So improvements in that area definitely help the drive-ins. So mm-hmm. I think that's why some of them have already um, started going that direction. And plus those digital projectors, you know, a lot of them did put them in a decade ago. So they're already old by computer mm-hmm. technology standards, right, which is yeah. what they are. <laughs> they're, they're big computers. Yeah. So, uh, but, yeah. <laughs> it, but one of them, they were still doing it the old-fashioned way? Is, is, was I correct? Or does, is that a projector that he still had in there but wasn't using? Yeah, you're thinking when we were in the in the projection room at Benji's drive-in. He is still set up for both. He still has wow. his 35 millimeter and he still has his digital. So he can show both. And there's a handful um, of theaters I've been in, both indoor theaters and drive-ins that kept their equipment. Um, a lot of times it just comes down to space. And the thing with the conversion to digital is you have to have a temperature uh, control, a, a climate controlled room um, because they are computers. They have to be, uh, you know, dust free as much as possible. Um, they have to, you know, be regulated for hot and cold because yeah. it's a computer. So most places ended up having to build different rooms or change their projection room. But some, you know, they kept the room they had. Hi, this is Dr. Demento, and you're listening to On Screen and Beyond. 
you mentioned about the distance that uh, some of these uh, drive-in theaters are shooting. I, I remember mm-hmm. the, the one that I used to go to, the, the one I went to the most to, uh, you know, it was pretty far. It was, like you say, it was to the, you know, the huge screen and everything. But one yeah. of the ones that was in your film, it was like, I don't know, it looked like it was three or four times further than, <laughs> than I've seen. It was humongous. <laughs> Like I couldn't yeah, even figure out how they could throw the picture that far. <laughs> yeah, it just kind of depends how they were built. There were different designs, but very often the projection room would be on top of the snack bar mm-hmm. and they would all be one building, um, which would be more easy for you know people to manage to keep an eye on the film because you used to have to you know, do changeover cues every 20 minutes when right. it was on before the platter system, you'd have to switch your reel every 20 minutes over to the next one, to the next, you know, and go on throughout the movie. And so, um, you know, it was much easier to have that person connected to the snack bar. So it was usually on the roof, but then in some cases, I can't say usually on the roof often, that was one of the designs. And then another design is just having a separate projection booth. And a lot of them did that because they could get closer to the screen Mm. um and so it's just a little booth out closer um but yeah the throw is pretty big and you also need need brightness um so that it shows up on on that big screen (laughs) right yeah well it's like you know in in a person's home theater uh 10 years ago the 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 lumens on the on the projector was say (laughs) 2000 and now you know they're 10,000 you know they've increased so much and then you can watch them with the with the the, the shades up you know it doesn't make any difference you don't have to be in a completely dark room although there is a trend lately of really dark movies (laughs) that that the even the indoor theaters and the drivers are like why is this so dark we can barely see anything it's true yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) you know you watch them on tv now and some of them and it's like okay okay how can you see this? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm getting old, but my eyes aren't that bad, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you have a real love of drive-ins, I take it. Well, I just, I went to them growing up. It was part of my childhood. I went to them in, I went to them my entire life. And when I saw less and less of them, and I saw a lot, you know, before they got torn down, many um, this was when I lived in Chicago. And then once I moved to Los Angeles, there were still a lot of, um, standing abandoned and not open. And I just couldn't figure that out. Like, why would these not be still operating and who would let them get into such rundown condition? And I just wanted to know more. Cause you know, what I always say is that we still love cars. We still love movies. So why mm-hmm. wouldn't, wouldn't they survive in big numbers? Yeah. And, um, and so I wanted to find out the story. And then when I made my first documentary on the subject, I traveled the whole country to every state. I did a ton of research and I visited as many drive-in locations as I could. So I went to open, closed, abandoned, remnants, the former site to see what's there today in some cases. And um, as a side effect, I ended up visiting over 500 drive-in locations. Wow. <laughs> which is far more than anybody. So I didn't really set out to do that, but that's just what happened. And so, um, yeah, so I got to know drive-ins pretty well. And obviously, you know, to make a documentary and especially to make two, you do have to have a little bit of an obsession about the topic for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, when you were going around, 
did you find many abandoned that weren't torn down, but they were just sitting there and, you know, the speakers yeah, are there that I everything's did. just rotting away? I did. Yeah. Um, in fact, part of what I had always heard was that it was real estate that killed the drive-in, but that's how I, I kind of knew that can't be the whole story because there's so many that, you know, are sitting vacant or at least did for a while. Um, and, and there were actually a whole bunch of factors that kind of collided um, that caused the decline that really happened in kind of the 80s. Um, but, yeah, there actually were quite a bit. <laughs> mm. And when I took the road trips, um, the, that film came out a decade ago, but it took a while to edit all the footage. So I actually was on the road shooting it in summer of 2007, 2006, 2007, 2008, that time period. And, um, you know, you, you didn't have maps on your phone yet then. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and so I had to do all the research and print things out and try to find where things were. I couldn't do like now you can enter an address and do a, a Google Earth and see what's there. And um, so I couldn't do that at the time. So I was piecing together. Oh, somebody posted a photo of the remnants of this drive in in, you know, whatever year, in 1999, okay, it's now 2006, okay, that's seven years later, Would will anything still be there when I get there? Right. I don't know, you know, it, yeah. it really was more of this treasure hunt um, to just kind of, you know, piece together what, what I could find and then, you know, see what was there when I got there. And sometimes I would get there and it would be gone, and a lot of times, though, I would get to these locations and the remnants were still there. Wow. <laughs> like an archaeological dig, you know? <laughs> it's, right? Yeah, it's like an urban archaeology or a cultural archaeology to, to find mm. the people. So, yeah, so I do have um, a unique perspective on sort of the history of drive-ins and, uh, you know, and, and I'm uh, familiar with a lot of the drive-ins that are open now and a lot of the owners just because this has been become one of my subjects that I happen to know about. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's a side, side effect of making documentaries. Yeah. Well, it's really fascinating, uh, you know, looking back at all these places. And uh, it's, uh, you know, I would like to have seen some of the abandoned ones just to see what they look like. Uh, you know, that's. Uh, yeah. Geez. Well, there's. Some, um, I mean, my first documentary is out there um, on a lot of different streamers um, for free even. Um, so there is a lot of those images in there. Um yeah. <laughs> so uh, where can people on March 14th watch this? I know digital and on demand. Where will it be that they can find this? Yeah. So um, I don't have the full list, but anywhere that you can rent or buy a new movie nowadays. Um, so iTunes and Amazon and Google Play and cable TV, anywhere that has new releases, mm -hmm. um, you can find it on March 14th. Yeah. And it's called Back to the Drive-In. Back to the Drive-In. People got to gotta get it that, because it's, it's, it's a really a fascinating story to, to watch and uh, see what they're going through. And a lot of people don't realize there, there was one of the, the uh, drive-in guys was talking about it. But the studios take so much of the, yeah. the money for the film to, to be shown they really don't end up with a whole lot of money. You know, people think, oh, they're making a mint on their, their candy and everything. Well, that's all they're making money on because the film is basically, exactly. they're just doing it for free. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, that is absolutely true. They get such a small percentage of the box office that the snack bar 
is the primary revenue of the drive-in. So that's why most of them don't allow outside food or, or definitely don't encourage it. So mm-hmm. when you go to a drive-in, definitely try to support the snack bar because that really helps them stay in business. Yeah. And, and that goes like say drive-ins, uh, the regular theaters, the independent theaters, uh, th- that's how they're making their money. Uh, and people have to you know help them out because otherwise they're going to be gone. And then, yeah. then what you got? You know, exactly. Sit, sit and watch it on your phone, you know, which yeah. I can't stand, but you know, I like yeah. to see the big screen, you know? Yeah. Well, and it's just, you know, some, everybody streams at home, but it's, you can't, for me, you can barely remember what you watched. It just all is mm-hmm. a blur. You don't, you know, things don't stand out. Um, when you go see it at, at a theater or at a drive-in, you definitely have a, a more intimate experience with the movie, with the people that you're with, and it just makes it something different. Yeah. Um, and if we want places like that, if we want to have places like that to go, we do have to get off our couches and go support them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Now, <laughs> yeah. a- April, we're going to finish up with one final question. And sure. uh, But before we do that, I want to remind everybody on March 14th on digital and on demand, check out Back to the Drive-In got to catch that and uh but when you sit back you sound like you're a movie fan because uh you know what you what you do i hope you i hope you watch movies but uh, if you when you sit back and relax what's your favorite tv shows now and of the past and what's your favorite movies now and of the past oh that's a that's a long question (laughs) let's see well movies my favorite all-time movie is rocky and I like that because it's just an underdog story, not only within the movie, but the story of how Stallone got it made. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just very inspiring. So that is my favorite movie. Um, some of my recent favorites from this year. Um, I, I did like Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. <laughs> I liked um, the Elvis movie. I really liked Turning Red, um, the Disney animated Mm-hmm. Um, those were some of my favorites over this past year and, um, TV. Oh, see, I just said, I don't remember what I watched streaming. <laughs> <laughs> um, probably like a lot of us, I multitask when I'm at home. Right. Um, but a lot of people liked white Lotus. I really liked that as well. I liked the offer on Paramount plus, which was about, you know, the making of Godfather, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was great because it was just sort of the breaking down, you know, make getting something made in Hollywood, which is close to my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really liked Winning Time on HBO. That was a lot of the Lakers history since I live in Los Angeles. Um, I, I knew some of the events, but I didn't know some of the behind the scenes. So I really liked that series as well. And stuff I used to watch. Um, Oh, I don't know. <laughs> what inspired you I, as I a kid? Quantum Leap. I loved Quantum Leap. That was one of my real old favorite shows. Mm-hmm. What inspired me as a kid? Well, I just had kind of a movie family. My dad had an eight millimeter projector. We had reel to reel editing equipment in the basement. And so my parents talked about movies and I, you know, had awareness of the process of making it, you know, that you shoot it with this, you get it developed, you edit yep. it with this, <laughs> you know, with this. So it's just something that I've always known and, and loved and knew I would work in someday. And here I am. Yeah. 
Well, April, I thank you so much for sharing with us and bringing back memories, and and hopefully things will turn around and get better for drive-in theaters. Uh, Hopefully people will go and watch back to the drive-in, and uh, that'll hopefully get them encouraged to go and and watch the movies there and, you know, really get into it and keep these and hopefully increase the numbers we have. Yep, that's what I hope happens. This summer is a good time to do it. There's a lot more new movies coming out, so... Yes, see the movie and then go see a movie at the dry, at your local drive-in. And a big thank you going out to April Wright for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond talking about her documentary film, Back to the Drive-In. Okay, that was interesting. It's an interesting film. And, uh, you know, it's kind of sad uh, that uh, drive-ins are going away, but... Uh, they are. They came back for a while during the pandemic, and uh, if they, you have one in your area, go in, you know, in the summer or you know, when they're open, just go and enjoy them because they're a lot of fun. It's a lot, a lot of good uh, memories that come from that, and you can make some memories with your family, your kids, grandkids, whatever. And uh, like you say, that comes out on digital and on demand on March 14th. Well, we have uh, got to be rolling along here. And uh, I've got to let you know that uh, we have more guests coming your way. And we have some very exciting guests because uh, the California theater that we deal a lot with, uh, the uh, Orinda Theater, is um, gearing up for last year. Remember, they had the pop uh, PopCon, which uh, had the people from Land of the Lost. Well, this time they are having a Golden Girls event and it's, it is just packed with people that they're going to have. I can't let you know who they are until they make the announcements, but uh, we can tell you that that'll be coming up. Uh, the exact date, I'm not sure yet. I think it's in May sometimes. But uh, once I get more information that, I will let you know about it. It's going to be a great time. If you were at the last one they had for Land of the Lost, uh, this is going to be as fun, if not even better, because it's just bigger and more people are going to be there. It's going to be so much fun, and we'll give you more information as we get that. So uh, be sure to check that out. And that's it. That's a wrap for this episode of On Screen and Beyond. So until next time, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care. (laughs) 